Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Block Rising episode brought to you by Florida Rising, where we build independent political power that centers historically marginalized communities so everyday Floridians can shape the future. My name is Marjorie Boswick-Phoenix, and I'm a member of Florida Rising and your host for today's episode. I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, Arali. Cologne. Did I get that right? You got it. You got it. <laughs> Rolling the tongue. <laughs> uh, she is a part. She's a Florida state policy advocate at the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Justice. Welcome to Every Block Rising, Arali. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, definitely. Listen, I know that you're a busy woman. And so we appreciate you spending time with us today. Why don't you just get into and just tell the audience a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your block, your community, and your story? Of course. So hello, virtually, everyone. My name is Aureli. My pronouns are she, they, ella, ella. And like Marjorie said, I am the Florida State Policy Advocate for the Latina Institute. A little bit about me is I'm actually Puerto Rican. I was born on the island to my parents who are both very proudly also Puerto Rican. I moved here to South Florida when I was four years old and I've been here ever since. So South Florida really is like the home that shaped me the most. I very much enjoyed, I'm actually a 954 girl. So a lot of people are very much like, oh, are you from Miami? And I'm like, no, I'm a Broward girl. But I think that my time in Broward has really shaped the way that I do organizing and has influenced a lot of the work that I do as well as now my, my, well, not now, but my organizing in Miami. So about me is that I went to college at USF Go Bulls. And that is kind of where I've had my awakening. I lived a pretty sheltered life, very bound in privilege in Broward County in Pembroke Pines, where we lived. It was very much like just a little, like a, a little corner of just different folks from different Hispanic communities. You know, we Western Zela, we call it where it's like Western from Venezuela. We also have a very like just large group of Colombians as well. So I was very privileged to be able to grow up in a very like Hispanic centered community. And when I got to college is when I really opened my eyes to the different experiences that folks go through in life. That's when I took my first intro to women's studies class, and it completely opened up my eyes to just not only in this country, but just all the injustice and the oppression that goes out around the world. So I complete, I changed my major. I was a pre-med student and changed my major to women and gender studies. I did a complete 180 because I just felt so emboldened to just be an agent of change. Like all the things that I was learning, I couldn't just sit there and be like, okay, well, time to go see a patient. Like to me, like, yes, 
people in medicine do a lot of change, but for me, I wanted to do more and to be on the ground and to make change within my community. So I changed my major, started taking women and gender studies classes. And that's where I had my pivotal moment of just activation. I was assigned by my teach my professor to do a history of feminism of a certain country. And I wanted to do Puerto Rico because I didn't really know a lot about the history of my country in that term, in like those terms. So that's when I found out about the four sterilizations that happened on the island, as well as the birth control trials which if folks want some more context on that, I can gladly give that later, but it's basically a very horrific moment in my country that was, you know, United States sanctioned and just has a lot of very deep traumas. So I was actually, I had just started taking birth control at that time and it just felt it just felt wrong, <laughs> like to be putting that in my body. That was basically the on the blood of my people for the sexual liberation of white folks. So I, I just was radicalized at that point, I believe, where I was just like, I need to make sure that this doesn't happen again, because we still see to this day that folks pushed to the margins don't have bodily autonomy. So that is exactly why I decided to really dedicate my life and my passions and my work to reproductive rights and justice. And yeah, I got an internship with Planned Parenthood, ended up working the 2018 gubernatorial cycle, then ended up working with Planned Parenthood. And now I am here at Latina Institute. So it's a very long-winded way to say, yeah, knowing your history can really radicalize you because of how messed up history has been to communities of color, specifically Black, Indigenous folks. So yeah. That's amazing. Now, you really are blessed to have had a major in women and gender studies because there was a time that was not even possible. I minored in women and gender studies, and I felt like it was such a, a privilege to be able to couple that with sociology. And you're right. It does open your eyes to um, not just what happens here as far as the feminist movement in this country, but globally to see what women have had to endure and also to look at the intersectionality within all of that as well. So I can see how that could move you to this space to do this type of work. You know, we're in some really trying times, to say the least. And, you know, we've just had the Roe v. Wade decision come down from the Supreme Court and everyone is still sort of dealing with that, you know, emotionally and mentally and trying to think about, you know, what's next. And before we get into the impact of all of that and, and the work that your organization does, do you mind sharing with us, you know, what your personal views or opinion or, or where you stand, what that means to you with this decision that the Supreme Court just made? Yeah, I think it's definitely important to name and to note that communities pushed to the margins have already been living in a post-row reality for decades. Because just because abortion was federally protected under Roe, that doesn't mean that access was there for everybody. So I feel like asked as a Latina, as a person who can get pregnant, I think about folks in Texas, in Texas, 
there's internal border checkpoints within the state that undocumented people can literally not leave the state to access abortion care. So what that means to me is that with this reversal, a lot more folks who have had access and have been privileged to have that access are now being upset because they now see what Black, Indigenous, Brown folks have been saying for a while that was going to happen. You know, communities pushed to the margins have been saying for a while that this was going to be everyone's reality in a few years, and no one listened to them sounding the sirens. So I think I think folks are very valid in their anger, and there was a missed opportunity to build collectively to have not gotten here in the first place. So that's where I personally stand. Yeah, I, I so get that. And I understand that. And when I think about this issue and, and I tell people, you know, this is just, in my opinion, I feel like this is just the beginning. This is how they open the door, right, to other issues. But it's not just about you know, pro-choice isn't just about, you know, abortion rights. It's about reproductive rights. It's about health care. It's, you know, your your right to contraception, fertility treatments, you know, your reproductive health, right? It's a public health issue, I believe. You know, it's it's a lot larger to that. And, and I think that people are going to start to see how this trickled effect is going to take place in many different areas. So in speaking to that, tell us a little bit about the work that your organization does and what you guys see is the impact of Roe v. Wade being overturned. What's that going to have on the reproductive health care? Definitely. So my organization, the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Justice, which has different, we are in different states. So in Florida, Texas, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and New York, we are very much an organization that centers and uplifts and amplifies the voices of Latinas, Latines, Latinequis. And also we do a lot of work in cultural shift. So we believe that a lot of the work to be done surrounding uplifting and preserving the dignity of our communities is through having intentional conversations and really allowing folks to uplift themselves. You know, we offer a lot of political education. We offer opportunities for advocacy, both on the local, state, and federal level. We really do leadership development. We call, they call themselves the Poderosas, which literally means like empowered women. And they really are just a group of just incredible like unapologetic Latina women and folks that just want to just be loud and be at the center of it all to really advocate for healthcare, for immigrant justice. And it truly is an incredible organization that is rooted in the theory and in the praxis of reproductive justice, which was founded by Black women, Brown women, Latina, Asian and Pacific Islander folks, trans folks in 1994 to fill in the gaps that the reproductive rights movement was seriously lacking in. It very much centered middle-class white women and completely didn't see the intersections of people's identities and how that can, you know, stop access at different places and at different points. So I feel very privileged to work for a reproductive justice organization that 
wants to not only center Latina and Latina voices, but also give them the tools, you know, to actually find that power for themselves. Because we're not in the business of giving anybody their power. Everybody has people power and it is up to them to find it on their own terms. So it's really incredible organization that I'm very privileged to work at. That's awesome. It reminds me a lot of what Florida Rising does as well <laughs> here in the state, you know, just creating that space so that people can feel empowered and understand that, you know, their voice yeah. has power, right? And how they can use that and utilize it. So yeah, that sounds wonderful. I love that. You mentioned before about access, right? Access to medical care, ac- access mm-hmm. to reproductive care. And, and it makes me think a lot about how a, a lot of this parallels with in the civil rights time of of just being able to vote, right? Having access to the ballot. And, you know, you can start to see a lot of how these things will parallel because they're doing it too at the voting box, right? They are eliminating your access to the different polling places, right? They're reducing the number of polling places. They were doing a lot of this in preparation, I think, for a while, as I've been looking over the history of reproductive rights and abortion rights, is a lot of places don't have medical offices that they can go to, right? Mm -hmm. There's maybe one or two in a state. So there's always been that challenge already for a lot of people who needed that type of care. So when you think about this, Who are some of the people that you think are going to be most impacted by what's just happened? Wow. A a lot of communities that have been pushed to the margins historically, whether it's immigrant folks, whether it's people in rural communities, whether it's people with a low income. I say this often. A lot of folks say this often that people with financial privilege will always have access to abortion care because they can always travel to somewhere that is abortion friendly. We also see historically, like we mentioned, that Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian American, and Pacific Islander communities, the folks with disabilities, queer folks, trans folks, historically have not had access to adequate health care. So that's also just another, like, it's just continuous barriers of access to care that is just going to get overwhelmingly worse with more restrictions put on it. Like when, when, not that it was ever adequate and ever completely accessible, but when Roe, what before Roe was reversed, at least there was a federal protection. Of course, when things start moving a little bit to the right, you see people chipping away, which is what you see here in Florida, where, you know, as a state, we have um, in our state constitution a strict medical right to privacy that people think that makes Florida a safe haven for abortion care. But when you see people in power keep electing judges that skew more to the right, as you see the Supreme Court justices reinterpret what the Constitution of the 14th Amendment for right to privacy is that no, abortion is not federally protected, then you can think that as you know, because the 15 week abortion ban in Florida is now going to be challenged in litigation you can kind of see the parallels of what could happen in a state like Florida. So it's just a lot. And it's very, to be in the work and to be a person who could get pregnant, like it's just a lot 
it's been a very hard time to be in movement work and to also be personally, because you see that a lot in movement work, that the people who are most impacted are the ones doing the work. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a time. It's been a time. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, and I hear this argument of, well, you know, there's still, it's still legal in different states. Yes. But again, as we're talking about being able to have access to that, being able to travel to that, I mean, it's, it's difficult enough just being able to pay for it, you know, mm. so to now travel out of state somewhere, that's a whole other obstacle. And it's not even just payment too. Like I was on a panel today where we were talking about just practical care. Like Mm -hmm. most folks that get an abortion are already parents. So when you're going to get abortion care, you need childcare or transportation. Or if now in Florida, there's a 24 hour waiting period. What if the Mm -hmm. closest health center to you is hours away? You might need to spend multiple nights at a hotel. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's so many other, like we think about, oh, abortion care is so expensive. The procedure itself. But when you think about all the other extra costs that go there, that's why I'm so thankful to abortion funds like Florida Access Network that give that practical care to ensure that folks have access to not only abortion care, but all the other extra costs that can come up in the seeking abortion care. That's great. And I'm glad you brought up that resource because I was going to ask you about that. I've I've been hearing about those funds popping up and for people to be able to, you know, get online and and check that out and see, you know, if they qualify for that. So wonderful. So let me ask you this. What do you think is next? What rights could be targeted next after this? I mean, we saw it in the decision that Supreme Justice Clarence Thomas already hinted at gay marriage, gay sex, and birth control. And I believe as well, there have been hints, not hints through like the Supreme Court, but even folks that are in power, in office, even hinting at looking at segregation, looking at interracial marriage. And it's just, it's so ironic to me that the party of least governmental intrusion is doing the most Most. intrusion. (laughs) Like it's truly ironic to me that you are inserting yourselves in the most personal and intimate points in people's lives and deciding for them. Yes. Yeah. And it's a specific group of people at that, you know, so yes, they're very intentional with what they're doing. And you hear people talk a lot about they never thought that it could happen since 2016. You know, you never thought that this could happen and and it keeps happening and it keeps happening. And so at this point, you know, we can all get on social media and we could start ranting and, and raving and all of that. But I think that there are some real actionable steps that people can be doing in their communities, right? And we always talk about that, like what is the call to action? Even when you feel like this is so big, like I don't even know how to, and and you feel so discouraged about something as big as the Supreme Court make, oh, so that must be final, right? Yeah. But what would you say to the audience of a call to action and things that they can be doing? 
Definitely. So I think first, I do want to stress that we talked about it a little bit, but abortion in Florida is still legal. So just want to preface that in the state of Florida, abortion is still legal. I think for calls to action, I think it depends primarily on what you, because every activist has different ways to be an activist. So if you're a person with financial privilege, I would say to donate to abortion funds. So I mentioned Florida Access Network. There are other incredible, incredible abortion funds that you can donate in the state of Florida, depending on the region that you're in. Like there's Women's Emergency Network in Miami. There's Tampa Bay Abortion Fund if you're in Tampa and just a bunch of others. Even in the Southeast region, there's ARC Southeast, which is an incredible abortion fund that I'm actually on the board of directors, which is really cool. Or even just if you don't want to uh, donate to abortion funds, you can also donate to independent abortion provider clinics. So, you know, Planned Parenthood is an incredible organization, but they're incredibly well-funded. So giving your money to more independent providers is a really incredible way to show your support or even actually buying them breakfast. Like if you want to surprise them with some donuts, or even if you don't have the money, but want to give like a card of thank you, you know, abortion providers put their lives on the line as well as staff to really provide adequate, compassionate health care. So even if you don't have the financial means to donate, even just saying a thank you is really powerful during these times. Donate your time. Like if you have time to be in a political home in an organization that shares your values, you know, we're in desperate need of folks, you know, being a part of our organizations. And if you don't have the time, then I would also say do kitchen organizing, kitchen table organizing. Part of the work of abortion rights and reproductive justice is destigmatizing abortion care, is meeting folks where they're at and having those difficult conversations to see where folks lie. Because at the end of the day, those are the folks in your community and you have to have those conversations to really, because when you have a conversation with someone, they'll have a conversation with someone. And it's an incredible domino effect that I think folks really forget in organizing that you can organize your own people. And I think that's honestly what I would say to do because getting into the weeds of it can get really overwhelming and it's okay and valid to be overwhelmed. Because like I said, if you are a person who's being personally impacted by these decisions, it's devastating. (laughs) It's devastating to see that a group of folks can decide your fate (laughs) and you have completely no say over it, but you do have a say in your reaction and what to do next. And there's definitely a lot of space for folks to get involved, to support with monetarily or with their time. So I would say once you're ready, once you are, you know, feeling your feelings and once you've processed, it's time to get involved because like we said, this isn't the last thing that is going to be attacked right now. Like I'm a queer person. I'm engaged right now. And we've had to talk about getting eloped, about getting a lawyer to see if we need to get a will, if they do dissolve our marriage down the line. So these are very real conversations that are happening in our homes. And we definitely have to get involved to make sure that if the Supreme Court obviously is not going to save us, but the community will always will. That's right. Amen to that. I I believe that there shouldn't be any woman or man, for that matter, who should really turn their back on this matter. You know, even though I'm not in the childbearing years anymore, but I have 
two daughters, right? What I'm really thinking about for this country is the human rights, our human rights with all of this, right? We're talking about reproductive rights, but really it's about human rights. And so it's a bigger picture. And I think that we can all find some way to be a part of the solution here. Just like you say, from a small way, kitchen table, to a big way, donating money, you know, there's something that that we could do. So thank you so much for sharing those resources. I had no idea about all of the different funds that were available here in Florida. So definitely want to share that out. Before we close up, there's a fun little question I probably should have prepped you. But anyway, this last question we like to ask, folks, is if you could have a banner or a sign billboard by your city's major highway, that's I-95, <laughs> and everyone could see it every day while they go to work, what would it say? I honestly, I think that I would go with the incredible abortion funds slogan, which is everyone loves someone who has had an abortion. Oh, wow. Yes, I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was awesome, guys. I know that you all learned a lot today and you've got some resources shared. So if you have any questions, you can go to the website. Tell them um, your website where they can find your organization. You know, it's really funny. I don't know my website. <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm Googling it. <laughs> it's latinainstitute.org for more information about who we are, how to get involved, the different work that our states do. And if there's any other like personal questions, you can also find me on my Instagram and Twitter, which I believe I gave y'all the handles for. So y'all can find me there if you have any personal questions on how to access an abortion or any resources that you may need. Because like I said, the community's always got you and I will always have you. Awesome. Thank you, Aurelie. And thank you all for joining us. We'll see you again for another episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.